eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everybody, it's your chain-wielding, massacring bruiser, Holden McNeely. And it's me, boom, 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 your cool 70s stuntman wizard, Jake. Uh, are you ready for the hellfire? Is that, what? Are you ready for some hellfire, Jake? Yippee-ki-yay, <laughs> yippee-ki-yo. Very interesting. Ghost Riders in the podcast. Very interesting origin story to this Ghost Rider. I'm, I'm so excited to get into this. This is... Um, Nicholas Cage, while visiting a shaman, traveled through time to <laughs> enable the Jungian fire spirit to inhabit the universe. He eats. Episode over. <laughs> He eats jelly beans, and uh, man, th- what, a, what a tale to tell with this Ghost Rider story. It is, to me, I said to you, Jake, when you first came in, I said, this is my take on it. This is like the cursed bastard stepchild of the Marvel Universe. And what would you say to that, Jake? Would you say uh, true or false? I would say that Ghost Rider is a product of his times, and he, much like, uh, much like the economy and culture and great nations, he goes through... Phases of bubbles and booms rise and collapse. Uh, You know, we're going to talk about him like he's this forgotten kind of third stringer. Uh, The way that the character has been treated in like TV and movies. You'd think that, but there have been times where Ghost Rider has been one of the most highest selling comic book characters in the world. So the fact is, is that Ghost Rider is only as cool and as popular as like the people who write him and the audience that wants to see him. Totally. I I will say this. I've been fighting for a Ghost Rider episode since we first started this the stream. This is definitely one for me and I will tell you why. Now sorry, we'll do the little uh our our past kind of experiencing, right? I remember when I first got into comic books, I think it was just one of those things where I was like, I should give these a shot. I don't know. It's a distant memory. I mean, cuz this is like fourth grade probably mm-hmm. something like that third fourth grade uh in which I was in which I was um kind of first getting interested and I remember I think it was it was just like some little newsstand or something like a little kind of tiny little newsstand shop you know that I went into it had candy and stuff yeah. and I had a con- one of those shitty the little racks, comic racks. book rack little spinner rack and uh, I remember it was literally just like, I think I want to try these out. These look like a lot of fun. These look like they were made for me. Mother, mother dear, I would like some of these floppy men books. I was totally with my mother at the time. And I remember the first one that I thought to grab was this fucking dope 
flaming skeleton head riding a motorcycle <laughs> looking so rad. It was just so completely based on appearance. And I was like, that is my jam. Let's go. And I like was Ghost Rider was the very first comic book anything that I was interested in. And that makes so much sense because I was a huge collector of Spawn. Mm. Years later, it was like Ghost Rider, The Punisher, Spawn. That was like kind of my little journey through, you know? And it, so it was, I guess I was always into the anti-hero uh, comic book star. And so it made total sense. And I still just love I, the design of the, the Ghost Rider is so fucking rad to me that I don't know. I just... Uh, it, uh, it, I was excited to learn more about its history. Now, I'm, uh, we'll get into the history of Ghost Rider, but um, something that really struck me is how like the 90s Ghost Rider is definitely like the breaking point. That's yes. when, when you imagine Ghost Rider, you're really not imagining the 1970s Ghost That's Rider. That's the thing. We'll I, get I, into I... the story of the 1970s Ghost Rider because it's very important, and it's kind of what uh, the movies are more based on. But like when you... like. The Ghost Rider that was on your like older brother's wall is '90s Ghost is Rider. Is the Daniel Catch Ghost Rider, not the Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider? And everything from the design to the attitude to the setting, all are like so of the time and so viscerally just like engaging that uh, trying to recapture that magic in a bottle is almost like impossible. Because they, they they try to re to uh, reboot it. It's uh, this, okay, but this is the core thing that what makes Ghost Rider amazing is he is both a horror supernatural hero. Yeah, demon possessed. But he's also a street level superhero. Yeah. Uh, we did a Hellboy episode and we talked about how Hellboy kind of deals in those both worlds, but he's kind of more of like a government globetrotting agent kind of deal. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But Ghost Rider, as we, as we know him from the 90s, is on the streets of New York City, busting up crackheads, like saving little old ladies fighting mobsters, as well as occasionally just bumping into Doctor Strange and being like, nope, we're going to the Nightmare Realm. Um, and it was um, also super key to Ghost Rider, and, and I'm talking 90s Ghost Rider, uh, he was a force of nature. Danny Ketch was this emotional uh, guy that cared about his family. He's basically just Peter Parker, but not. But Ghost Rider spoke in like one-word sentences, just like did what he wanted to do and was very like very rarely kind of confronted with like doubt. He was the spirit of fucking vengeance. Yeah. And that is the ability to transform from just like a normal white dude to just a hell demon linebacker who can just whip chains and everything it stands in his way mm -hmm. is such a good power fantasy. Very, very much so. Very cool. Very cool power fantasy. Also, just the whole stuntman aesthetic is is fucking cool. You know, like well, th that's the thing is, I tried to. I was like, well, to talk about the story of Ghost Rider, we'll have to talk about the uh, the culture of motorcycles in America. And then I tried to study the m culture of motorcycles in America, and I was like, nope, too much, too much. <laughs> take it back, take it back, take it back, take it back. But um. It, it kind of just basically boils down to, like, uh, there's, like, West Coast biker culture. Uh, biker culture in general started on the West Coast. It was, uh -huh. like, uh, World War II vets in California that were kind of shell-shocked and just kind of, like, numb to just the American dream that was being built in the 50s. And they kind of just went their own way with it because of the unfettered freedom and low-maintenance cost of just being – of having a motorcycle. Um you know, uh, there was a, a moral panic about, like, uh, motorcycle gangs and, like, you know, crime. And, uh, like, I think the pre – I'm getting this wrong, but, like, the president of Harley-Davidson or the American Motorcycle Society was like, 
well, you know, 99% of motorcycle owners do not engage in crimes. And that just, like, sparked all the biker gangs to be like, what up, fuckers? We're the 1%. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you if you go to Sturge. Uh, back when the 1% was an awesome thing. Yeah. <laughs> Although both do meth, which is fun. But, I mean, there's also, you know, if you go back and read, like, let's say, Hell's Angels by Hunter mm-hmm. S. Thompson or something like that, you'll know that back in the, you know, in the late 60s and the 70s, you know, the Hell's Angels was a fucking force. I mean, if, if you were warned, you know, if you were foretold that the Hell's Angels were going to roll into your town for the weekend, you were fucked. Like, you were completely fucked. Like, hide your women, like, mm-hmm. literally. Like, your bar is going to get destroyed. They would go from town to town. They had a mystique about them, and all biker gangs around them, they had such a big mystique to them that they were really like a national terror, like a like some kind of a, you know, what, what I guess you could equate it to, like, gangs, you know, today or something like that, uh, like like in, you know, fucking L.A. or Chicago or something like that. It would maybe be like that. But but, but it, was, also, it was a terror. Rider. It was a terror that didn't stay in Compton or something like that. It was a terror that was mobile, that would go from town to town, that you couldn't just escape from by, like, living in a nice town far away from it all because they'll fucking show up. And that was definitely a big part but of Easy it. But Easy Rider also kind of gave America this romanticized image of, like, the freewheeling spirit on his chopper kind of just which is different from a bobber which is a different but motorcycles are complicated um <laughs> and so that get, so the image of like the em- the open road the empty desert like shamans and native american reservations and truck stops like this this kind of new wild west route 66 thing was definitely like a part of the american zeitgeist which is why it ended up falling into the hands of marvel comics mm. um because Let's go back to the 1940s. Let's go all the way back to the 1940s because we talked about motorcycle culture, but it's motorcycle culture meeting the mystique of the cowboy. Because this, Ghost Rider's not in like a, most known to not be in like a gang. Ghost Rider's known as a loner that goes around and is kind of like an anti-hero a demon possessed, but he ranger. solves problems. <laughs> a lone ranger, if you will. Ghost Rider is like Hell's Angels meets the cowboy, the, the, the mystique of like the, the old west. And that's because he's directly derived from it. We got to talk about Dick Ayers. Dick Ayers was an artist. Um, he started out in the Air Corps Operations uh, Division during World War II. And he published his first comic strip, Radio Ray, in the military newspaper Radio Post in 1942. He goes on to study at New York City's Cartoonist and Illustrators School in 1947 uh, under Bern Hogarth, who's most known for Tarzan. And then Joe Schuster would visit the class every now and again, this class he was taking, and Ayers started visiting Schuster's studio. And as he put it, pencil a bit here and there on uh, their com- his comic uh, Funny Man. Why would I know the name Joe Schuster? Joe Schuster you would know uh, as uh, one of the two creators of Superman. Yeah. And he was at that time working on a comic I kind of want to go back and read called Funny Man. It was a failed <laughs> comic book a superhero that was like kind of clowny sort of you know he was just he, he killed people with ga- like beat people up with different gags and stuff you mm. know it's different like that joke they, weapons uh, and stuff they never nailed that until deadpool yeah they even really, then that was kind of an accident and it was definitely their their deadpool attempt back then um and 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 that that's uh working for uh magazine enterprises a comic book company uh that went from 1943 to 1958 or 57 i can't tell here but um either way they it, pu- published uh, humor crime adventure children's and western comics it was found it sounds a- like something a russian gangster would have to make up on the spot i mean like no i work for a magazine 
Enterprises. Uh, I don't care where you work for it. You're drugging those Olympic <laughs> athletes, and we got to get it to stop. That man's biceps are as big as this damn laundry room we're standing in. By the way, why are you meeting me in a laundry room? I deserve more respect than that. Here is bucket of piss. No questions. <laughs> I just loaded that with context for absolutely no reason. Uh, improv, ladies and gentlemen. So Vin Sullivan uh, founds Magazine Enterprises and bring in Jerry Siegel, the other co-creator of Superman, along with Joe Schuster, and... Um, that shortly after they they actually left National Comics, which is later to become known as DC Comics. They leave there, start working with Vince Sullivan at Magazine Enterprises. Dick Ayers ends up kind of getting in there by going into uh, Joe Schuster's studio, and uh, he ends up getting um, work on Funny Man and also uh, a humor strip, uh, Jimmy Durante uh, humor strip. Jimmy. He- the big nose guy, yeah. Jimmy I think it's like the the yeah. I think it's like ha, he, cha, cha, cha. I think he had some kind of a strip or it something. It makes sense. He starts to pencil and ink western stories for magazine enterprises. He does work in A One Comics and Trail Colt, as well as Prize Comics, Prize Comics Western. Uh, he's working with uh, writer Ray Crank, creating a horror themed western, and that horror themed western would go on to be called Ghost Rider. It debuts in Tim Holt. Number 11. Now, uh, this is kind of the deal, actually. It's actually more Vin Sullivan sitting airs down and kind of saying, like, I got a nifty idea for a hot new take on the Western genre, right? And he starts to describe what he wants in The Ghost Rider. The first thing he asks him to do is watch the 1949 Disney animated feature, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Cran- Mr. Toad. rather. And, uh, of course, in that, there is an adaptation of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow featuring The Headless Horseman. So, big, big first one is a Disney animated version That's of The weird. Headless Horseman. Yes. Uh, on top of that, then Sullivan asks Ayers to play the Vaughn Monroe record, Ghost Riders in the Sky, and we're going to play a little clip of that for you. It's it's um uh we'll play the uh, Johnny Cash version for mm. you right here. This is Ghost Riders in the Sky. The actual title of the song is Riders in the Sky, but m- m- most people just Ghost is in parentheses. Yeah, I'm just it's just popular, just so people know you're talking about that song. Oh, okay. I thought that was just like it was in. Okay, gotcha. Riders in the Sky. Then my bad. Um. No, that's just a piece of dumb ephemera trivia so you can correct people needlessly. <laughs> Don't worry, listeners. I got your back. So they come up with this character. If you want to, you should look it up if you haven't seen it before at home. It is like essentially it is a it is just like a ghost man on a white horse. Clad in all white with a wide brimmed hat, a uh, mask, like kind of a Spider-Man eye kind of mask, a white stallion, cape, whip, and... Uh, he was left for dead by it's like a weird yeah. origin story. He's yeah, he's left for dead. He he's I think he's trying to take down these bandits and they end up getting the best of him. He gets left for dead. He gets taken to a shaman. This shaman uh, named Flaming Star uh, who had collected this falling meteor dust that uh, this like meteor fell and he collected all the white dust from it. And um, he brings uh, he brings this guy back to life and covers him in this white dust so that he can like freak people out with his like because he looks like a ghostly apparition and go around and really he has no powers in this form he's he just you know he's but an the excellent fear marksman. In the hearts of men he can put fear in the hearts of men he can create illusions with his cloak because the inside of it's black and the outside's white and he can freak people out make them think he's not there 
or disappearing. He's got excellent marksman skills, really good hand-to-hand -hand combat because he was like a boxer at one point, and he's just really good at taking down bad guys. And, you know, back it's in the day, it was more about just like, are you strong? Are you a tough guy? You know, it's not really about like magical, magical powers. I think uh, a young Frank Frazetta actually uh, does some artwork for that series. Uh, and the although it's not like a blockbuster hit, uh, the Ghost Rider does have a very, uh, a very important fan. Uh, that is Stan Lee. Yeah. Stan Lee is a fan of his. And uh, a few years later, as we uh, uh, the Comics Code Authority clamps down so the, on undead macabre characters. I think we've talked about the Comics Code Authority cracking down around 1954 uh, on on it. Um, the seduction of the innocent, moral panic, Batman's gay, everyone's drugs, tales from the crypt. It's you know the they they do this self imposed thing to make sure that comics can stay published. And one of the casualties is the Ghost Rider. Anything with... Uh, the, here's just a, a one excerpt from the General Standards Part B of the Comics Code Authority. No comic magazine shall use the word horror or terror in the title, and inclusion of stories do dealing with evil shall be used or shall be published only where the intent is to illustrate a moral issue, and in no case shall evil be presented allur alluringly, nor so to injure the sensibilities of the reader. Now, one thing I thought about recently, Jake... Is that because, you know, the, specifically the line, you know, uh, parents were feeling that comics were causing juvenile delinquency. Can you think about how hilarious that is now that back in the day at one point, the comic books were the leading cause of juvenile delinquency. And then later, Dungeons and Dragons, the leading cause of kids being bad. It's just so hilarious in retrospect. That, that would that would actually uh, either and and then of course video games as well video games I can see a little bit more because there's like actual it all, I mean not to get too uh, too philosophical in our yuck em up dick air show but um <laughs> you know when you come home from after a long day and you finally take off your boxers and get that whiff that's dick air I'll tell you that much um, it's the fact is whatever is the most dominant form of escapism for young men will end up becoming the form of entertainment associated with crime because spoiler alert being a young man sucks and you end up doing a lot of bullshit <laughs> and uh you get angry and violent and you commit crime so no matter what it's always going to be whatever media is the most intensely targeted towards making young men who wish to escape their reality feel better that's going to be a good venn diagram with the shit that's going to be associated with horrific crime because... Jake, did you know that fi fidget spinners are the leading cause of male uh, butt cuts in this country right now? Oh, my God, he pulled out a fidget spinner. Arrest this man, he pulled out a fidget spinner. It's titanium. It's got a good balance. It's great for focus. It's also nimble. Yeah, it's a, it's a little... It's, it's like a little, little big little, and wacky looking. Yeah, yeah, it's not a big wacky well, one. That's kind of fun. I got it off of Amazon. So in 1952, Dick Ayer starts freelancing for Atlas Comics. And if you've heard us talk about Atlas Comics before or talk about Marvel Comics before, you know that Atlas will eventually become Marvel. He's drawing horror stories such as Journey into Unknown Worlds, Mystery Tales, and Menace. And uh, he ends up teaming up first before Stan Lee gets a whiff of him. He start, he's teaming up with Jack Kirby during this time as an inker on early issues of the Fantastic Four along with other Western and monster stories. Because the Western comic book story was a much bigger genre back in the day. I mean, think of it now like Preacher, you know, the an episode we've done on, on the comic book yeah. Preacher before. Uh, Preacher was kind of an anomaly in how it handles like, wow, this is like a Western in a comic book, but... 
back in the day, that was like completely, you know, um, um, a very prevalent genre, just like horror and anything else. In, I mean, it was comics. just as prevalent as guy in a khaki shirt wrestling an alligator. You know, <laughs> these were just adventure stories. <laughs> uh, so not too long after they get together, Atlas becomes Marvel. And uh, around this time, the trademark on Ghost Rider lapses. This is actually a little bit forward. Uh, This is around the mid-60s. And Marvel immediately swoops in and picks it up because, as you said, Stanley, bit of a fan. They decide to rename that Ghost Rider Knight Rider, which is a big misstep (laughs) because Knight Rider is what we're referred to um, as uh, the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, oh, that's a bigger mistake. Yeah, even bigger mistake. I thought you were going to go into David Hasselhoff route. It's a man that looks all white and ghostly on his ghost horse riding around being called the Knight Rider. Well, which, at least he's not hunting men. <laughs> I guess that's true. And uh, and then later to Phantom Rider. And so when you hear about the Phantom Rider, you're generally being uh, someone screaming at you in the middle of the street mm-hmm. about the old version of Ghost Rider. So that is kind of the difference. And also, run away from that man. Don't be near that man. That man has mental problems. This is among Marvel's canon of... Uh, Poorly selling, weirdly named cowboy characters, <laughs> such as Kid Colt, uh, Two Gun Kid, and Rawhide Kid. Why do they all have kids? <laughs> At least Phantom Phantom Rider didn't escape to the kid. Uh, the kid curse. The kid curse. The curse of the kids. Um, so, anyways, that's when we get uh, what spawns, pun intended, our more modern version of. The Ghost Rider, and that uh, that comes from a few different key players. You've got Roy T- Roy Thomas, Gary Friedrich Friedrich, is uh, that right? Friedrich, yeah, and uh, Mike Plug, Mike Plug. So Roy Thomas, let's 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 just give a little bit of a recap on each one of these guys, okay? Because these are the real big hot dogs, as I call them, of the uh, Ghost Rider Marvel Inception, arguably. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so Roy Thomas is a big comic book fan as a kid. He wrote and gave out his own comics to friends and family. He was really into that stuff. Started out as uh, uh, started out as Superman editor Mort Weisinger's uh, uh, assistant uh, at DC Comics. He didn't last two weeks before escaping because apparently Mort Weisinger is a real bastard, <laughs> uh, as they say in the business. What? A comic book publisher being a piece of shit. That's news <laughs> to me. So he ends up working for Lee. He literally writes Stanley a letter and just to, to tell him how big of a fan he is and how bad he would, needs to escape the whole the iron claw of Mort Weisinger. And Stanley uh, gives him a job. But first he has to pass the writer's test. Now, do you know what the writer's test is? Inform me. Four Jack Kirby pages from Fantastic Four Annual Number 2, in which they took all the words out of the word bubbles. I mean, if you're familiar with the Marvel method, that's how Marvel writers are given the actual story. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it was, it was uh, that that was kind of what they used, uh, at least back then. They got rid of it not too long after that. Um, hire, he's hired on as staff writer and then later an editorial assistant. He basically becomes Stan's right-hand man, yes. taking over a lot of writing duties for him as his star begins to rise. And by the uh, late 60s, early 70s, uh, Stan the Manly doesn't really have the time anymore to be like, actually scribbling in the words for like holy palooka read this this is one hell of a clobber or whatever the shit stanley writes (laughs) and uh uh stanley is promoted to publisher 
while Roy is promoted to editor in chief. So he's finally like he's got the reins of this Marvel empire that had been built up over the 60s. Now, he, he's, Stan the man mm-hmm. gave way to, you know what Roy's nickname was? Roy the boy toy. It was Roy the boy. <laughs> oh, okay. It was Roy the boy. That makes so much sense. But no toy. I Nobody mean, was having fun with them in a sort of sexual manner. If you see, uh, there's a video of Stanley interviewing Roy Thomas. You can find on YouTube from the 70s, and like Stanley is just the living embodiment of like greasy porn fucking. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> who knows? There you go. Also, not to be confused with Dave Thomas who is, of course, the owner of the Wendy's franchise. Nobody was confusing. <laughs> Not even nobody. That You're just hungry. Roy, Th- I am. Roy <laughs> Thomas is uh, also known for introducing the pulp mag Conan the Ar- Barbarian to American comics. Now we also have Gary Friedrich. Mm-hmm. He was high school friends with Roy Thomas, so that's an easy way to get in at Marvel. He started out as a romance comics writer for Charlton Comics, which we've talked about the Watchmen. before. The Watchmen, that's what it is. He's a writer for Charlton Comics. He starts writing westerns for Marvel like Kid Colt and Outlaw and Two Gun Kid and Rawhide Kid. <laughs> Almost like we read the same list. <laughs> I know, right? As well as the western Ghost Rider. So he actually was working on that. He moves on to superhero comics with Incredible Hulk. And he would go on to uh, – uh, oh, oh, well, I'll talk about that later. He, he goes on to try to sue for the rights to – Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do too hot in that. Mike Plug. His early work was for a military instructional publication called P.S. The Preventine Maintenance Monthly. Now, this is our artist, I believe, right? Yes, this and, is the artist. And he was doing, uh, uh, he was also doing cleanup work on the Batman and Superman animated TV series around 69. He also did a brief stint with Hanna-Barbera doing the Scooby-Doo pilot. He, uh, but he cut his teeth uh, being the art assistant for Will Eisner on The Spirit. Which is, yes. uh, like, in terms of, like, pedigree for comic storytelling, uh, Plug is definitely a guy you wanted to help introduce your new character. Um, he would, at the, around this, according to the interview I watched on, uh, on YouTube, uh, Plug was kind of off to the side drawing what they called the furry books. <laughs> uh, stuff like Man-Thing and Werewolf by Night. If you need a big fuzzy monster, uh, Plug was working on it, but... These guys, these guys we're talking about, had an idea, the exact order of which who had which idea might be get a little controversial. I will, I will read the quotes. All right, mm-hmm. you ready for this? It's like the perfect succession of quotes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it made me laugh. But they were gonna they're gonna reboot Ghost Rider, but instead of a boring horse, because nobody cares about westerns, he's gonna tap into the zeitgeist and make him a cool, evil Knievel and ride motorcycle a giant guy. Joint. Oh, okay, my bad. No, I thought it was a giant smoking uh, marijuana joint. <laughs> That would also be quite popular at the time. I was trying to think of a weed pun, and I just am failing, so let's keep going. <laughs> Good. That's why you were staring at me. I was like, oh, God, he hates my joke. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, this is from Roy Thomas. I ma- I had made up a character as a villain in Daredevil, a very lackluster character. The called- Stuntmaster. Yes, a motorcyclist. Anyway, when Gary Friedrich started writing Daredevil, he said, instead of Stuntmaster, because that's a fucking lame idiot's mm-hmm. idea, uh, I'd like to make the villain a really weird motorcycle riding character called Ghost Rider. He didn't describe him. I said, yeah, Gary, there's only one thing wrong with it. And he kind of looked at me weird. 
because we were old friends from Missouri. And I said, that's too good an idea to be just a villain in Daredevil. He should start out right away in his own book. When Gary wasn't there the day we were do going to design it, Mike Plug, who was going to be the artist, and I designed the character. I had this idea for the skull head, something like Elvis's 1968 special jumpsuit and so forth. And Plug put the fire on the head just because he thought it looked nice. Gary liked it, so they went off and did it. Now, Gary Friedrich says this. It was my idea. It was always my idea from the first time we talked about it. It turned out to be a guy with a flaming skull and rode a motorcycle. Plug seems to think the flaming skull was his idea. But to tell you the truth, it was my idea. Mike Plug says this. <laughs> now, there's been all kinds of dialogue about who was the creator of Ghost Rider. Gary Friedrich was the writer on it. The flaming skull... That was the big area of dispute. Who thought of the Flaming Skull? To be honest with you, I can't remember. What else were you going to do with them? You couldn't put a helmet on them, so it had to be a Flaming Skull. You assholes. I mean, this <laughs> level of protectionism is like kind of important because, especially in the canon of Marvel, there's very few characters that actually break out and become like kind of a member of the squad and like kind of a core universe uh, player that wasn't born from that Kirby Lee uh, collaboration. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, and the sad part is, if if we get into the lawsuit is, you know, all this stuff was work for hire. They all yeah. signed these ironclad contracts. Right. And, you know. There was no way a judge in any court was going to say, oh, yeah, you even though you signed documentation that said these ideas were not, your, you know, like, this stuff is not yours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fact that, like, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, even, like, to the bitter end had always been like sniping at each other. Basically it's very heartbreaking to see something that you worked very hard for make other people billions of dollars and they don't like do anything. Like they treat you like trash. That's why my advice don't work. <laughs> Sleep under a tree <laughs> with a little fishing line tied to your toe. It'll just make you upset. My dad worked his whole life and they still fucking laid his ass off during the damn recession. Don't work. Mm. Don't work. He's a good man. Now, did you? Uh, so they introduced. The now character. he's really good at backgammon. And you know what? He's loving life. Play backgammon. That's fun. You know. What a weird piece of advice to give our listeners. <laughs> uh, so the character is introduced in the flailing Marvel Spotlight book, and uh, the origin of oh, they say Stan Lee uh, had the idea to call the character Johnny Blaze. Ah, I love the name Johnny Blaze. Which Roy Thomas, uh, was report, according to him, answered back, isn't Johnny Storm the human torch? Won't that create confusion? Are they just going to team up and call themselves the bonfires? <laughs> and then Roy Thomas laughs to himself and the interview goes on. Um, <laughs> you know, it was almost like Stan Lee was like, someday there's going to be rap music and they're going to need different like <laughs> alias names for when they do their rap songs. And they're all, definitely going to pull all of them from my comic books. Johnny Blaze, the perfect one. So if you can track down either by legal or illegal means uh, Marvel Spotlight number five, you can read the origin of Ghost Rider. And Johnny Blaze's story is like more tragic than Batman. Yeah, it it's is very insane. Um, Mike Plug's art is incredible. He has this very evocative kind of uh, that Will Eisner influence you can really see in there. Um, very emotive characters. Uh, uh, very good, like. There's a physicality to it, 
Uh, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Johnny Blaze is drawn very lithe. He's a very lithe character in his mm. black leather tight jumpsuit. Mm. Um, and uh, it it all boils down to Johnny Blaze. Uh, his parents died in a fucking carnival accident. Well, the mother walks out on him, right? No, no, no. This is before. His, There's several retcons. Yeah. So his mother walks out on him. Uh, and takes the, two of the kids, but not this is, him. This is retcon. This is very retcon. Uh, that was retcon. I'm just saying, in Marble Spotlight number five, he loses his parents. Okay. Uh, he gets adopted by Crash Samson and his wife. Okay. And uh, their little it's, daughter Roxanne. Mm-hmm. Um, they start their own motorcycle family troop. But then the father has cancer. But um, the but the adopted mother, his adopted mother, dies, and on her deathbed whispers. Promise me you won't motorcycle stunt race. <laughs> and he and to honor her request that nobody else heard, he refuses to join Crash and his daughter in their. He just works as the mechanic. Ah, and uh, uh, Roxanne, Roxy, Rocky, yes. you very can call important uh, player in the Ghost Rider franchise, and the, with Johnny Blaze is like the big love interest. Calls him a coward. Calls huh? him a filthy coward. Jesus. Um, Roxanne. Even Crash, who's like, listen, my wife died. I don't even care anymore. I just need more cool motorcycle stunts in my show. Uh, the family gets booked in Madison Square Garden, and it turns out Crash has been diagnosed. They don't say cancer in the original book. They just say, he's just like, yep, got the, the doctor said I only got a month. So I'm going to go. And um, uh, Johnny Blaze is so consumed with the idea of losing yet another f- family member that he decides to make a deal with the devil. And this is important. In this original book, it's not Mephisto. It's not Mephisto. It's not Glorbulon the evil. <laughs> it's the fucking, uh, it's the 70s, man. Satanic panic. It's Get crazy. Devil, yeah. It's the devil. Yeah, bro. Lucifer, hear my prayers. Johnny Blaze signs the contract with the devil, and the devil says, your father's, your adopted crashes, disease will be cured. At Madison Square Garden, Crash Simpson, not realizing that Johnny has just sold his soul to cure him of his disease, decides that he doesn't give a fuck anymore. He doesn't want to die on some hospital bed. He's Crash fucking Simpson. Samson, whatever, I forgot. I read it last week. <laughs> Gives a shit. And he <laughs> decides to an episode on it. <laughs> jump over 22 limousines. Whoa! Which is too many limousines. And he dies in a horrible motorcycle crash. <laughs> Johnny Blaze realizing that like the time is over and that the devil has tricked him because yes, Crash didn't die of cancer. He died of giant motorcycle crash and nothing in the contract said giant motorcycle crash. And against Rocky's Roxy's wishes, he revs up and boom goes over the 22 limousines. The devil rises to take his soul because he's like, ha ha fucker. I'm the devil. And the purity of love, of Roxy, who is technically his sister, his stepsister, but they make out a bunch, which is weird. Don't get into it. That Johnny Blaze's love Things of his life is were different back then, and and honestly, more fun. But either way, the but, devil goes no, and Roxy's purity and love manages to interrupt this soul-taking process, and Johnny Blaze is kind of allowed a half form where by day he is Johnny Blaze, but by night he becomes the spirit of vengeance, the Fuck Ghost yeah, Rider. Can you, when I, if and when I have children in the future, can mm-hmm. you come over and tell them bedtime stories? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Um, the, uh, so 1970s Ghost Rider looks, uh, looks way different. His motorcycle is just a standard Harley. Doesn't have the chain. Doesn't have the chain. the shit out of doesn't me. Doesn't have the spikes. Um, 
there's really not much of a difference between Johnny Blaze and Ghost Rider. Basically, it's Johnny Blaze being like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be Ghost Rider soon. Oh, no. And then he turns into Ghost Rider. He's like, ah, shit, I'm Ghost Rider. Um, but the powers he does have, he can project Hellfire, which can burn the soul. He's invulnerable to physical damage. He can regenerate limbs with the Hellfire. And he has, most importantly, the Penance Stare. Burn. The fucking Penance Stare, which is one of the coolest abilities of a superhero, I think, like, It's of all this time. weird, like, ace in the hole that is just dwelling in the Marvel Universe, and it's always a big deal in every major crossover that, like, shit's What going. happens when he does the penance stare on this, like, thing? thing special thing. Yeah, uh, my favorite is the is the Punisher, but, World, yeah. In World War Hulk, he does the penance stare. Um, it's, it's, it's a rad move in which uh, you look into Ghost Rider's eyes, and at that second, you are then forced to endure the pain of all the suffering you have caused in this mortal world. I will say this right now about that. Like, other superhero powers, you're like, wow, that's crazy. That would hurt. That would, you know, getting punched by the Hulk would be awful. This actually made me be like, oh. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, <laughs> that would be awful for anybody. Not just, you know, like, I mean, if I had to experience that, it would be terrible. And, you know, I've arguably not done anything close to what, you know, say some horrible evil villain has done. Um, I think maybe, hopefully. It's just a lot of like standing up friends because you got too high at home and now you don't want to leave. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, just just saying mean shit as a kid <laughs> or something to like my parents or whatever. But anyways. Feel the terror of being pantsed for every time you pantsed someone else. And it is important kind of what, uh, how people react. So Doctor Strange reportedly one of the only ones that was able to recover from mm. the uh, torment caused by the pin and stare, actually able to get it back together and the punisher unaffected because he regrets nothing I, I think there was some story where like he did it to galactus and that fucked shit up ah that's like a fun one interesting um and it's like a good visual like trick because like then you can enter like whooshy gooshy like sin memory land it's it's a fun power yeah and the fact that it kind of like goes through physical defense always means that like he can like punch outside of his weight class because he mm -hmm. has that Hey everybody, it's me, your bearded bruiser, Jake, here to tell you about this week's sponsor, Keeps.com. Uh, confession time. I was a premature male pattern baldness sufferer way too early in life, and it was humiliating. Luckily, treatments were available. The downside is, at the time, those treatments were massively expensive and a huge hassle to get at the drugstore. Luckily, there's a company that takes all the hassle out of this process and helps you keep the hair you have. That company is Keeps.com. All you have to do is go through an incredibly simple online sign-up process. I literally did it in a taxi on my way to the airport and a real licensed physician will examine your case and recommend a treatment plan. Stop hair loss today the easy way with Keeps, offering customized treatment plans with only FDA-approved hair loss products for about a dollar a day. Your order consists of a three-month supply that'll help you get started, and uh, you can re-up after that. Here's where things get even crazier, because right now, if you want to halt the progression of hair loss, because I'm going to just say it right now, the earlier you start, the more hair you keep. The longer you put it off, the more you're going to be Patrick Stewart. And right now, we're making an offer that, honestly, if you are concerned about hair loss, you have to try this. Simply go to keeps.com slash wizard. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash wizard and get a free month of treatment when you sign up. Keeps. Hair today, hair tomorrow. But uh, the, the plug design, uh, you know, tight leather, like 70s belt, 
high collar, like this disco evil Knievel collar. It's just, it's kind of weird. It's not, it doesn't like, it's cool. He has the flaming head, but it doesn't, it doesn't excite, excite the senses as much as later versions will. Um, A lot of like Satan stuff, a lot of like shaman stuff, like going to Indian reservations, fighting snake ladies, just going back and forth across the uh, old, uh, the, you know, the American abandoned West. Should we talk about the friend? Which one? The friend. Oh, you don't know about the friend. Okay, so this was like a big point of contention between, um, well, there's an editor in play called Jim Shooter. Mm-hmm. We know J- Jim Shooter, he's done a, he's like a big, big dog at Marvel. And this writer, Tony Isabella. Tony Isabella gets pro- prior approval from editor Roy Thomas to do a sort of like, um, essentially a Jesus thing. What Essentially what he says is like, oh, we can, you know, all day in Marvel, we can talk about demon this demon, that demon, hell, the concept, you know, Satan, all these, all, all that. And he was like, we never talk about the other end of it. So he wanted to essentially just introduce, like, the other side of that coin in comic book form. And that was with The Friend. It's sort of like a hippie Jesus Christ that, uh, you know, and um, here, here's, here's the quote from Tony Isabella. It kind of tells the whole story, okay? Um... As he said, getting prior approval, uh, prior approval from editor Roy Thomas, I would from later as I would from later editors Lynn Ween and Marv Wolfman. I introduced the friend into the series. It looked like a hippie Jesus Christ, and that's exactly who he was. Though I never actually called him that. It allowed me to address the disparity that had long bothered me about the Marvel universe. Though we had no end of hells and Satan surrogates in our comics, we had nothing of heaven. After two years, two years, I'd written a story wherein. Couched in mildly subtle terms, Blaze accepted Jesus as his savior and freed himself from Satan's power forever. Had I remained on Ghost Rider, God, what which, a nerd! I know, right? <laughs> Had I remained on Ghost Rider, which was my intent at the time, the title's religious elements would have faded into the background. Blaze would be a Christian, but he'd express this in the way he led his life. Unfortunately, as an assistant editor took offense at my story, the issue was ready to go to the printer when he pulled it back and ripped it to pieces. He said some of the art he had some of the art redrawn and a lot of the copy rewritten to change the ending of a story two years in the making the friend was revealed to be not jesus but a demon in disguise (laughs) to this day i considered what he did to to my story one of the three most arrogant and wrong-headed actions i've ever seen in an editor and that was editor jim shooter Mm. craziness i mean that's gotta suck to have your your shit fucked with like that on the other hand I don't. Ugh, I would hate to be following my cool demon comic for two years and being like, "Turns out the answer was loving the Lamb of God." <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it definitely sucks a lot of wind out of the thing. But I guess I could only think about it from a personal aspect of like, take the Jesus out of it, and you've been working on a story for two years, mm. and right at the last second, the whole point of it just gets removed and the air deflated from it. So, um, yeah, exactly. I don't know if it was necessarily, you know, the if that was the greatest, like, story arc ever, but, man, I would have been fucking furious if that had happened to my work. Fur- especially after you've already gotten approval for it and everything like that. So the series goes on for a couple of years, and it just kind of tapers off. Uh, they introduce Zarathos. I believe is the name of the demon. Yes, that would be the the sort of the end game of the original Johnny Blaze arc kind of revolves around a Zarathos. Um 
the demon taking over Johnny Blaze's body, um, fleeing from him in order to pursue the villain Centaurus. And uh, Blaze goes on to live with uh, lovely Roxanne. But uh, the fact is, is just, you know, the, the, all the pastiche kind of archetypes that uh, Johnny Blaze was playing with had kind of fallen out of fashion and the character wasn't selling as well. Yeah. And the character kind of lays dormant. Um, the next big revival happens in 1990 with a writer named Howard Mackey. Yes. And with a ghostwriter named Daniel Ketch. Now, I was really shocked. I had no I always just assumed Johnny Blaze was my ghostwriter for my memories. But well, this, Johnny Blaze is was like the guy with the de- with the Hellfire shotgun running around. Oh yeah, he the, still exists in the world. But that's what I kind of love about what you can do with Ghost Rider mm-hmm. too. That you can have like Ghost Riders like retire but still be in the world. They're like Robins. There's like nine of them now. Right? Yeah. Um. But but the main character, you know, yeah. it's not you know Batman is just you know Batman. Like it's is just you know, and it's like Clark Kent is Superman. You know, Peter Parker is Spider Man. But but uh, yeah, um, Ghost Rider can kind of change it up, which I think is cool. And even if I, whether I agree or disagree with the different takes on the Ghost Rider, I just think it's a lot of fun allowing for it to be something that can be constantly updated and changed. Uh, I think that's I think that's great. Now you know Howard Mackey got his start at Marvel, uh, writing such uh, high profile uh, titles like. Chuck Norris and the Karate Commandos. <laughs> he would be uh, start out as an assistant to uh, editor for Mark Grunewald, who uh, did uh, work on the Avengers and Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. Um, that was in the mid-80s. Then he was promoted to managing editor of special projects in 1987, overseeing Marvel's new universe, uh, titles like Cyforce. Star Brand mm. and Spitfire and the Troubleshooters. Everyone keeps telling me there's good new new universe stuff, and every time I like even look at these characters, I just put a put nineteen mind bullets directly into. My They're stem. just so late eight. Like yeah. just the names are just like late eighties, like hair metal. Yeah, you know, just just like sparkly when, and when Peter Quill calls himself Star Lord, everyone laughs at it now. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's real, real silly stuff for sure. Um, but yeah, he would go on to kind of bring the. But out of that, there's this badass fucking cool take on Ghost Rider within you know introducing the spikes and the chain and that cool. Just aesthetically, I think Ghost Rider is definitely one of the coolest looking of so of the, the nineteen ninety. I I recommend that everybody read this single issue because. I was uh, going through it last night and posting panels on Twitter, and like people were like, "Oh fuck, this might be one of the best like first issues in comic history," because Danny Ketch and Ghost Rider are so badass, and it's such a good fucking comic, and it captures that 1990 energy so well. Um, the art by Javier Salteras. Uh, has this detailed kind of scritchy hatched line style that has it's like it feels like a yes. manga almost. There's so much energy in every panel, and God, I remember you're bringing me, you're giving me like so many flashbacks to the, the era of comics I started with, and how so, exciting it was. Danny Ketch is not a stunt cycle guy with like a weird history. He's like a normal ass kid or teenager or whatever. Uh, he loves his sister. Uh, one of the first things you do when you are introduced to Danny Ketch is he's a nerd going with his sister to hang out at Harry Houdini's grave. He's immediately accosted by teenagers who try to mug him. 
And like he is genuinely fearful. Like his sister has to kick like a lady gang member in the like I say gang member, but they they look like the fucking Archie gang. Mm-hmm. Um, kicks like a, a a teenage girl in in the fupa. You're talking about the seaside serpents. Oh my god! No, they're the <laughs> fools. I think anyway. Oh, okay. Um, seaside serpents in Riverdale, the new uh, Archie. We don't have to talk I'll, about. I'll page blow seven. through this. I'll blow through this story as quickly as possible. Nah, take your but, time. Uh, Danny Ketch uh, and his sister, uh, while the, like recovering from their teenage gang uh, scuffle, uh, end up stumbling upon a group of gangster ninjas who are murdering some of the Kingpin's men over mysterious canisters. Is and when it- I, they're not the hand. Okay. They're dressed in red. And they're de- ninjas. Death Watch is- And Death Watch is there. Okay, okay. Uh, Death Watch, seeing that he has been witnessed committing a crime... Uh, says that she saw my face. Take care of her. And Danny Ketch's sister is shot through the fucking chest with a crossbow. <laughs> Danny is screaming. He's scared. He runs to a nearby junkyard. His sister is bleeding out. And in the pile of wreckage is a sparkling new motorcycle that shouldn't belong there. And on the gas cap, like literally the, it's, they make a very big deal that the gas cap is like the magic part of the motorcycle. Uh-huh. Um, which then becomes a medallion, which then, you know, Cannon is weird, uh, transforms him into all new Ghost Rider. New Ghost Rider doesn't drive like a little Harley. He drives what I can only describe as like uh, Canada's bike from Akira. Yeah. If it went through a goth phase. Yeah. The wheels are made of fire. The ha- uh, the flame of Ghost Rider is, instead of just being like a little like squishy, like zigzaggy fire, is just flowing in all directions. Basically doubles as a cape. Like it, it communicates so much movement. It always like, if he's riding, it just goes back into the sun, you know, to the horizon line. Um, he beats up the ninjas. The cops show up. There's like, Four to five pages of just Ghost Rider slapping the shit out of cops. <laughs> and Danny Ketch uh, is like awakes the next day, visits his sister in the hospital, and he's crying and he's unsure of himself. And it creates this very interesting dichotomy where like Danny is just this normal guy who has the same fears and anxieties and insecurities as gonna probably the majority of readers of Marvel Comics in 1990. And Ghost Rider is built like a fucking tank. He has spikes. He doesn't have, like, spandex. He's wearing just, like, you know, riding boots, uh, a heavy leather coat, chains, spikes, gauntlets. He doesn't look like any other superhero. He just looks like a fucking badass dude with a flaming skull for a face. And it's definitely the design of the... It's kind of funny because I feel like everybody... People more associate the name Johnny Blaze to their conception of Ghost Rider, but more when you think of Ghost Rider, the- you think of Donny Ke- uh, Danny Ketch. Yeah, yeah, but when yeah, exactly. You think uh, visually, mm-hmm. yeah, right. It's like, uh, yeah, completely. It's very cool. I I love it. <laughs> the the chain part was such a rad part of it that it's this three foot long chain chain, but it has kind of a, a mind of its own in a way. He can change into a fucking spear. He can like make the links all separate from each other and like manipulate them and do crazy oh, shit. Yeah, within the within Ghost Rider number one, nineteen ninety, he uh he whips the chain out. The links separate. They become razor blades, and they just slice the fuck through a again. I remind you, gangster ninja. <laughs> 
And, and I guess that makes sense too, because that was around the time of like when we were talking about Daredevil and stuff like that, when everything started getting really like shonen and kind of right and like yeah, um, it was it was, it was a, a post ninja fying. It was of a New post York. Frank Miller world, right? And so that same post Frank Miller influence that allowed uh, Spawn and all these like dark heroes to emerge, uh, Ghost Rider cashed in on that while still being in the Marvel universe. So mm. um, it cre- and the book is a hit. It is edgy. It feel like you read it now and it's very dated. Like what um, what Mackie believes is like his take on urban crime is hilariously bad. Like he got all of his new like I think all he knew about gang activity. He like learned by watching 2020 with Barbara Walters. There's just like people like, man, don't you understand? I'm a crackhead and I'm crazy. So don't diss me. Like it's very bad. Um but the design and the energy, uh, Mark Tixera, Teixeira, uh takes over, and his artwork is incredible. Um, it's the right character, the right design, and the right energy at the right time. Uh, issue 15 has that glow-in-the-dark cover, uh, which complete, which like actually fits the character of Ghost Rider. It's this iconic, like j- basically a close-up on the skull with the glow-in-the-dark like ink over it. Um, and I'm talking Venom. I'm talking Wolverine. I'm talking the Punisher. Gritty, violent, powerful characters are selling. And yeah. this initial run of Ghost Rider is insane. Other writers are begging for Ghost Rider uh, crossovers. Um, especially because the go- like the way that this Ghost Rider works, he's, again, a force of nature. Like, barely monosyllabic. Just like, we'll just go and go after what he wants and other heroes just kind of have to deal with him. Um and it introduces all these supernatural spooky ooky demon elements that like their characters wouldn't normally get to deal with. So he's good for crossovers. He sells books. And um, eventually he gets his own vengeance. He gets vengeance, which is Ghost Rider Venom. He's just the spookier, spikier, toothier uh, Ghost Rider. And people eat that shit up. They love him. <laughs> um, and uh, the books are selling so well that Mackie is pressured by editorial to create the Midnight Suns imprint so that now there's like the X-Men verse, the Spider-Verse, and there's this whole Ghost Rider verse. Yeah. Um, that's where like weird spooky black mask Doctor Strange comes from. Blade gets like a revitalized there. Yeah, Blade is um uh Blade kills him once, right? Or Yeah, oh, but his mind is taken over by a thing. Well, uh, so th- yeah, and I wanted to talk about the addiction stuff as well. That that part's crazy like he ends up getting really depressed and becomes an alcoholic and then this bird na- talking oh, that's bird la- named that's Mr. way later. Eleven. That's, yeah, this yeah. It's like 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Um but Danny Ketch becomes this vital important thing. Johnny Blaze is there and he's like kind of this uh, you know, supporting character who like kind of is the old wizened master kind of showing Danny the ropes. Mm. Um, they introduce all these characters, all these demons. Uh, Ghost Rider ends up kind of, uh, he has this uh, Blackout, who is this... Yes, uh, Blackout, a big villain in uh, the Ghost Rider universe. He's this, uh, he's like, um, he's a mutant who is hurt by sunlight and can create fields of darkness and not being able to process what was happening to him, he just kind of gains a psychosis and decides he's a vampire. So he's like a fucked up Night Stalker kind of serial killer who's vaguely vampire-like. Um, Black Heart, we're going to be saying Blackout and Black Heart a lot. The son of Mephisto who becomes a big uh, uh, antagonist, very powerful creature. You remember him from Marvel vs. Capcom or Marvel superheroes. I don't forget. Whatever. He was in a Capcom game. He has a really cool design with like the black fur dreadlock thing. Oh yeah. 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 Um, 
Nightmare. Uh, he teams up with Doctor Strange. There's just a lot of good stories and a lot it's kind of, of the co- that's the side of Marvel comics during this time period that I think is way cooler than you know maybe what they were doing with um like in hindsight with like X-Men and stuff like that you know there was just like there was a really awesome dark evil playground yeah. to just kind of explore and have fun with and just the design the motorcycle the chains the fire the spikes like all, any artist is just gonna have a field day with that it's so funny because it's like almost you could say that and be like uh, this is an excerpt from the Spawn episode mm-hmm <laughs> It's, it was it was a spawn kind of time. Yes, it was um, a spawny time, and I was a hundred percent in. I loved it. I could get enough of that spawn, all of it. Uh, Mackie gets burnt out because he never wanted to have to manage this like universe of titles, and he gets t- too many directives from editorial, and he kind of bows out. Um, and the character kind of uh, just kind of loses its way a little. It's just, it doesn't excite yeah. people the same way it did. It kind of there almost becomes kind of too much exposure to him. Uh, because now people were free to cross over and do. And all at sorts the of end stuff. of the day, I mean, it's a lot of flash. You know, it's a lot of flash. It's a lot built around flashy, awesome-looking just spreads. Uh, at a certain point, vengeance becomes a good guy. So now there's like Blaze, Ghost Rider. Is you know, uh, this, uh, were they called the Spirits of Vengeance? They were called the right? Spirits of. They had a team. Like yeah. yeah. So it's it just it just kind of got away from people. And various attempts were made to kind of resolve that continuity. Uh, that's uh, I forget which writer did this, but it's you know it's revealed that in fact Johnny Blaze, even though the character in the book was like a father figure, they were actually all secret half. They were all secret brother, and there was like a sister who became a lady Ghost Rider. Um, and oh god, it gets too complicated. It gets <laughs> too, um, Jason Aaron gets a hold of the book. Uh, now we're into the 2000s and like uh, they do this whole thing where this it's this epic uh, thing where like ghost writers have always been around. Yes. They're actually the spirits this is of the vengeance. Mr. Eleven stuff I was yeah, talking about. Were created he, by God to keep humanity in check. Mr. And Mr. They go rogue and they start highlandering each other and each spirit of vengeance gains the power of the others if they're ever defeated. Mr. And, Eleven is a talking crow. Okay. Jake Young. Mr. Eleven is a talking crow and he starts giving him different doses of ghost rider power. And that is sort of the drug he oh, at some point him on. Danny catches depowered and I think Johnny Blaze is like reinstituted. Well, essentially what happens is, is Mr. Eleven is like, here's more ghost power, ghost rider power. Ugh. And then he's just like, You want you really want some good good stuff? You're gonna have to go find that Johnny Blaze and take him out because that's gonna give you some real good yummy dose of Ghost Rider power. And he's like, I need the stuff, man. You gotta give me the stuff. Was and like, there are other Ghost Riders right yes, now. Like there the Indian well, Ghost Rider yeah. will ride a phantom elephant, and like the Japanese Ghost Rider has like this yokai thing going on. Oh, I forgot. Actually, he overdoses from the Ghost Rider power. That's what, okay. And and that leads to making. Excuse me, a deal with Zadkiel, an archangel, to kill Johnny Blaze and the other Ghost Riders. So he ends up, I think, getting like saved from the overdose, and then he has to go out and do that. But then they end up, of course, teaming up, right? I believe. Yeah, they end I think up they fighting sort back of against team Zad- up, yeah, against Zadkiel, and that kind of culminates. People love fin- this run. This is a, we're doing a vast injustice to it. Uh, like true diehard Ghost Rider fans actually believe that this is kind of this almost like Olympian level of kind of canon mythology congealing because after so many years of all these disparate elements all kind of sort of being part of uh, uh, Ghost Rider, uh, 
this like this this run really like kind of gave it a mythology with rules and kind right. of brought everything back to center. Tie it all up and kind of give it, make it all kind of culminate and come uh, together. When was the year for the Garth Ennis miniseries? The Garth Ennis miniseries is, I'd have to go back and. Did you end up reading this? Cause this is that, this was a good. I read uh, about it. Yeah. It's just a lovely little miniseries about Ghost Rider in hell. And he's got a, uh, try, every day he, tr he's got, he fucking rides his hog to the gates of hell to try to escape. And every day he just barely does not make it in time and then the demons rip him apart until he's given he makes a deal with a demon to go kill he makes a deal with an angel with an angel to go kill um a, to get to send a demon back to hell i believe this is uh basically it feels like a garth and it feels like a preacher side story exactly uh if you read it it's road to damnation if the art is gorgeous if you love preacher if you love garth ennis it's definitely worth checking out um a lot of american west weird southern ah. Christian hypocrisy. That stuff. was in 2005. Okay, so yeah. this was either parallel or kind of in between runs of Ghost Rider, and that's the Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider. That is too. Johnny Blaze. Yeah, but uh, Ghost Rider. That, in this story, I want to very badly want to go back and read that miniseries. I think that would be a great way to just kind of get introduced to the character and have a nice little. It feels. Story. It feels like. I mean, just my personal take. It feels like the Garth Ennis show. True. Featuring Ghost Rider because True. a lot of it goes into his own angel mythology. And because Garth Ennis loves writing angels who are pieces of shit, yep. and this series is full of them. Uh, and then also you have, but then you also have another Ghost Rider entering the fray, the more recent one. The more recent one, uh, as part of, part of the Marvel Now initiative, which I think it was a good move. I'm it, curious about this. I really want to go check out some of it. Uh, it was created by uh, Felipe Smith. And Trad Moore, Felipe Smith, very interesting dude. He was uh, an American writer-artist of Jamaican and Argentine descent. But he was also one of the first non-Japanese native to have a manga title with Pipo uh, Chu. Pipo Chu, which I'd, li I'd like to check out as well. The art looks really great for that. It looks really interesting. And um, before working with Marvel on Ghost Rider, he did uh, some work on Nickelodeon's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated TV series. Which one? There's like eight. Uh, like one of the fucking million. I didn't yeah. even learn which one it was whatever and then and then uh he was part of the all new all different marvel which i think we've touched on before that's the most recent i mean this is super recent this so many reboots. a 2015 rebranding of the marvel line featuring many legacy heroes which is a term used for new characters taking the role of established heroes and that's how we get to robbie ray's the big innovation is ghost rider no longer riding a motorcycle we go from horse to motorcycle, and now it is a motherfucking 1969 Dodge Charger RT muscle car, baby. And that is pretty cool. Vin Diesel is suing them as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, it's – and he, you know, he doesn't have the floating head so much either. There's a bit of a redesign there. And um, he's, he's sort of like um, – he's – He's just sort of, he's tied to this car. He can, like, fuse with the car. It feels very um, Christine, mm -hmm. right? That's Stephen the King? Stephen King car. Right? It, it feels very much kind of like that. Uh, really cool backstory, too. He's, like, he enters a street race. He gets mixed up with bad people. Originally, he's working in a, as a mechanic at an auto body shop. Um, and he, you know, he's gets gunned down but he's revived uh, by a demonic being that's bound to the car and that is his uncle Eli Morrow who is a satanic serial killer that like worked with the Russian mafia and he's like pure evil and then he kind of makes a deal with Eli it's like tied in a little bit more with family which I think is interesting especially with the sort of like um kind of like the Hispanic take on mm -hmm. the character I think a little bit and um 
in order for Eli to satiate his like bloodlust, he says, "Okay, fine, but we're only going to kill evil people, evil evil ones, you know." And so they start working together. Uh, it just, I don't know. It seems, you know, it's the arts. The art is very dynamic. It feels very fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, di- the, the diehards the- that stuck with Ghost Rider, especially with like the the. The, the epic like spirits of vengeance arc that kind of like brought the whole thing full circle don't like that like after they reached that kind of denouement marvel decided to just restart with a new character but i don't mind it especially with the way that they established yeah. that there can be different ghost riders so fine you don't like the this take on ghost rider if you're one then of the don't pay attention to it that's just one of the many ghost riders there has out to there. be twenty five thousand people max who actually know all the ghost rider lore and are like diehard like the people that get who get the most from all that like uh, canon and mythology got their reward, and if you want more people to like Ghost Rider, you're gonna have to kind of just get used to the fact that like they might have to change it up. You have to keep the whole point is we went from horse to motorcycle, right? The yeah. whole point is you have to. We keep, went from chopper to Akira car. We have to Akira keep motorcycle, right? We have to keep like reinventing his ride as associated to him and his design. As we move on to the future, or hers, as we move on to the future to keep up with the modern times of what people would be maybe interested in or turn on it. Which is funny, though, because this is a 1969 muscle car. But still, it makes more sense in the context of the day with, as you mentioned, like Fast and the Furious and stuff like that. Robbie Ray's is the version that appears in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, television show as well. So they actually went with that take on the character. Um, But, man, we have not talked about a, a... a piece of the Ghost Rider legacy that I yeah that I I'm just dying to get to. Oh really? I think we did a pretty thorough job. What are we missing? We're missing just like one tiddly tiddly bit, right? And that would have to be the Nicolas Cage movies, baby. Woo! Are you ready for some giggle flicks? Are you ready? Jake is literally packing up right now. Are you ready for the giggle flicks? Where's my fidget spinner? I think we need to see Spirit of Vengeance and not the first one. It looks like Spirit of Vengeance is way nuttier, Jake. I mean, it was made by the Crash guy. Oh, no, that's sorry. Not the Crash guys. The uh, Crank yeah, guys. The Crank guys. Even better yes. than the Crash guys. <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap things up with the with this, but I know people are dying for me to say the words Nick Nicolas Cage as soon as they started listening to this episode. Um, uh, the first Ghost Rider, directed by Mark Steven Johnson, who wrote Grumpy Old Men. And directed Daredevil. Wow, you you finished my sentence. That was amazing. Starring Nicolas Cage and Ava, Ava Mendez, with Peter Fonda playing Mephistopheles, <laughs> the dancing cat from the musical Cats. <laughs> Destroy all memory <laughs> of yourself. But it is kind of interesting with Peter Fonda because, of course, he's so well known for Easy Rider, the mm-hmm. motorcycle, you know, the Americana motorcycle movies. So that is kind of a cool idea to cast him as that. The Marvel Studio, Marvel Studios began developing. Don't forget ba- Sam Elliott as the Phantom Rider. Oh, so I'm, how how dare I? Who's like several points in the movie, Nicolas Cage like gets a single chunk of important backstory that helps him. And then just leaves. And then he has to, like, more bullshit happens. He goes back to Sam Elliott and Sam says, well, here's another important piece of valuable backstory that will help you. Oh, no, you're gone again. Well, okay, I'll just. So you, you watched this movie, Jake? I, I just maybe, maybe. 
Have you seen Spirit of Vengeance? I have not seen Spirit of Vengeance. We're, I think we should do that. I've one. seen clips of it. I saw like uh, I saw a clip too. We'll play a clip. There's in just like an a entire there's an entire cottage industry of people shitting on bad movies, and they all leapt on Spirit of Vengeance. Oh uh, yeah, they all jumped on it. Whatever, we're gonna do it too. I, I just just out of my for my own personal curiosity. So, anyways, Marvel Marvel Studios started working on this back in '92. Um, then by 97, they had someone writing a script, but in 2000, John Voigt was attached as a producer with a script written by David S. Goyer, who did Blade, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, etc. With a budget of $75 million and Johnny Depp actually attached to play the lead role, but damn if Nicolas Cage hadn't already figured out that a Ghost Rider movie was being made. He's a fucking huge fan, and he immediately like just jumped. I was like, please, 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 give this to me, give this to me. So anyways, um, it kind of dies down. Nothing really happens, but after the success of Spider-Man, Columbia Pictures gets the rights for Ghost Rider in 2002. They get Shane Salerno to rewrite Goyer's script. He wrote Armageddon and the classic film Alien vs. Predator. Mark Steven Johnson then takes over. The, the uh, rewrites Salerno's script and casts Nick Cage. The delays get pushed back further and fucking further still until finally production gets going in 2005 in Australia. Nicolas Cage says this of this movie. Um, God, should I try to do a ghost, uh, Nicolas Cage? Oh, oh, ghost Rider was a movie that always should have been an R-rated movie. David Goyer had a brilliant script, which I wanted to do with David... <laughs> and for whatever reason, good, good they just didn't let us make the movie. Ghost Rider was designed to be a scary superhero without R-rated, R-rating and edge. And they just didn't have it work out back then. <laughs> uh, so anyways, the movie is not, you know, it's a box office success. The critics uh, pan the shit out of it. Jake saw it for some stupid reason. Did you see it in the theater, Jake? I did Were not you see high it in the at the time? No, I wish I was. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, somehow, I don't under even I don't even understand how this gets to be made. But Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance gets made, which is the a first sequel. Ghost Rider made its money back, especially internationally. It did so do it was, pretty well. Um, and uh, the whole point of the crank guys is that they're like, "Yo, we'll shoot digitally. We'll fucking make this as cheap as as shit." And it was a different Johnny Blaze. It was like um, he was like a sweeter, cuter Johnny Blaze in the first one. Uh, the second one, it follows the original origin story like a lot closer than you'd think. It's very clear that like the people who made it were Johnny Blaze fans. But what's great about this one is, as Cage describes the character for Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, he's not eating jelly beans anymore. He's getting drunk. And Nicolas Cage gets to be full Nicolas Cage. Let's hear a clip of some of Nicolas Cage's work uh, in the new Ghost... The, I'm sorry, Ghost Rider This is the movie where it's important that it is implied that Ghost Rider pees fire in the devil's eye. Here's some pure hot Nick Cage for you. John! You talked to Kerrigan. I talked to a lot of people. Hey, I got what you need for those shakes, my friend. Uh, Kerrigan must have told me about that thing that killed his men last night, huh? Yeah? That thing is inside of me. See, you're a bad man. And this thing, the writer, he feeds on Batman and he's hungry. He's hungrier than he's been years and that's why I'm shaking. Because right now, the only thing standing between you and the writer is me. And he's just... He's, uh, he's scraping at the door! Scraping at the door! Uh, 
So the whole thing is that it, you know, it picks up. It's still kind of a sequel to the first, but kind of like made in a way like you don't you kind of could take it as a first film if you wanted to and not feel like it's a sequel. Um, It's directed by, uh, as you mentioned, Mark Neveldine and Brian Taylor. The Crank Films, I put, and and next to that in parentheses, you can see right here, I wrote, Crank Films, you fucking bitches. (laughs) If you haven't seen Crank 2, I've had a lot of good times watching Crank crank Films. Yeah, see Crank 2. If you haven't seen Crank 2, high voltage. It was shot in Romania and Turkey. Um, and since then, even cheaper than Australia. Yeah. That's why they got this made. And um, it came out. Like, it was, Uwe Boll shoots in those locations. It was intensely panned uh, and people hate it. I really want to watch it. And uh, since then, the directors both said that they discussed make, producing a third film with a different director. But Nicolas Cage has uh, definitely vehemently come out and say to say, uh, you know, I will not be Ghost Rider anymore. I am done being Ghost Rider. There Ghost is Rider clips you can find online of um, in the first. Oh, uh, in the fir- in the uh, from the first movie where it's Nicolas Cage without CGI uh, giving the penance stare to a criminal. And it is the funniest thing you'll ever witness because the like the criminal actor is giving his all. He is screaming bloody murder. He is like, you know, he is reliving every agonizing moment. And Nicolas Cage wearing skull makeup because he thought it would give him the totem of the avatar of vengeance. Uh, surrounded by bright orange LED strips because that was supposed to simulate like his fire for lighting. Uh-huh. Just going like, and the other guy just be like, it's, it's, it captures the heart of what makes the movie so memorable. So I think that's it for Ghost Rider, Jake. I, we've been through so uh, history. We've gone from the '40s up till now. It's, it's 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 weird when you think about Ghost Rider as one of these like canonically like kind of ever present heroes in comics because he's always supposed to feel contemporary. Yeah, and for he sure. kind of goes away, and hopefully he'll continue to. And uh, may your let's. I want to see the next Ghost Rider. Just uh, riding on one of them hoverboards that the kids used to <laughs> yeah. like back in 2015. Um, all right. Well, that's about it. Uh, if you want to check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Check me out on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho. Uh, leave a review on iTunes or your whatever other podcast system you are currently enrolling in. Those reviews help us so much and helps us find new listeners. And those new listeners might end up being your friend because now you have a fun thing you have in common, like listening to these greasy weirdos. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young. Hell yeah. Have a good one, everybody. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. 
For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.